The Terrible Warriors continues to exist thanks to Patreon supporters just like you. Find out more about how you can support the show. Visit patreon.com slash terriblewarriors, and maybe you'll be joining in on one of our monthly private games. Today on The Terrible Warriors, we take a break from the table game to speak to old friends. Hot on the heels of their success of Things from the Flood, we called up Thomas Harumstem from Free League Games to ask if he would talk to us about Things from the Flood and The Forbidden Lands, the game we're going to be playing next. And to our immediate surprise, he said yes. What follows is a wonderful conversation between myself and Thomas, and next week, the very first episode in The Forbidden Lands. But before we get to talking about the Forbidden Lands, I opened up with a question about things from the Flood. Because I needed to ask Thomas about this game, it's not the same as Tales in the Loop. It is something entirely different. It is, yeah. It's, it's a standalone. We call it sort of a sequel game. It's set in the same universe and it shares the same core mechanics. But it's definitely a standalone, uh, full, complete game on in its own right. And... Uh, it basically continues the story uh, from Tales from the Loop and moves into the 1990s, whereas Tales from the Loop is set in the 80s, of course. And that changes quite a few things. It's also, of course, the, the, the world has changed, but also the characters you play are older. So you can actually play the same characters if you want to, uh, being a couple of years older. So instead of young teens, they will be older teens and, of course, struggling with different kinds of issues. You'll still be still have that uh, those strange machines robots and stuff going on and mysteries to solve but the sort of personal stuff that's always also part of tales from the loop uh, has a bit of a different flavor in things from the flood as as the characters are older uh, one of the bigger things i've seen too in in, in the promo material i've been going on is like you can die now yeah in things from the flood uh, why the decision to make because that was one of the key buy-ins for Tales in the Loop was understanding that, you know, with all the stakes that are going on, uh, the kids aren't going to die. Mm -hmm. uh, and so this is going to be a different kind of game than that. Yeah. Uh, and in Things in the Flood now, those stakes have been put back on the table. Yeah. Um, why that decision in particular for Things in the Flood? Well, uh, it's uh, having the kids not being able to die in Tales in the Loop sort of sets it's it's a rule, but it also sets a tone for the game in a sense that, yes, you can end up in trouble, bad things can happen to you, but you're not going to get killed like in, 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 in most other RPGs that are quite combat-oriented. This is not that game. So it was sort of an important thing to have in the game to make that distinction. Moving into things from the flood, it's still not a combat-focused game, uh, but it's, we needed to... Uh, this this change that this time you can actually die that sort of emphasizes this the the change in tone between the two games because that scenarios that you play will also have a darker tinge a bit more danger a bit more weirdness and and being able to actually lose your character is sort of ups the stakes and that sort of that's a theme that sort of carries through the entire game compared to from the loop so so the 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 purpose of this rule is is it's mechanical yes but it also has a symbolic value to sort of underscore the theme of the game that you actually can can die even though it might not be happen very often 
Now, you did answer this last time we talked, uh, but as to uh, just to reiterate, the characters you make in Tales from the Loop, you can translate into things from the Flood. They, they exist in the same universe, just mm. separated by, 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 a diff, by in a different decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that, that's still in there, right? The, um, yeah. And, and uh, did it happen when we talked, there was a, a, a plan for a campaign that would stitch both of these together that you may even play the kids in Tales in the Loop and then follow up with either the same characters or different characters in Things in the Flood? Yeah, uh, actually, there is. A, we're releasing a campaign uh, alongside the main game. Uh, it's uh, called Out of Time, and it has its time travel theme in it. And that those scenarios in there, there are three scenarios in this campaign, and they actually tie together the eras of Tales from the Loop and Things from the Flood. The, the, actually, the campaign is mainly written for Tales from the Loop. So the core setting is actually in the 80s. But you can use this campaign to play in the 90s as well. So it sort of puts these things together through the use of, sort of time time travel being themed. So, yeah, that, that has been that has been done and that's being released alongside the, the core game. Or at least a li- maybe a little bit later. But I love that. It kind of makes me think of... Uh of it yeah uh with the um with, with the two you got the adults in that case and then the kids and they're all kind of you know they're the same characters working together over this big plan mm-hmm. uh separated by time yeah. um it's uh it's, it's exciting so uh, uh help paint this picture for for things in the flood because things have changed in the in the malloran islands where we where we hang hung out with the kids yeah. in the 80s yeah. uh it, i remember that the setting for the 80s things are all like relatively optimistic uh in in, in a time with like crazy cool new technologies yeah. and this 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 big old loop that's been built under town and weird things happen but it's it's still quite this um plucky kind of universe yeah. uh with uh with the kids going out into the woods at nighttime and staying out past curfew and getting up to trouble uh but then things changed when in the early 90s the loop got shut down right so yeah i mean it's it's a lot of things have happened i mean in the, the this there are two settings for the game just like in terms of the loop you have the swedish setting and then you have a u.s setting but in the swedish setting um yeah the agency that that ran it's a government agency that controlled the loop has been shut down and what has remained of this this old machinery and this the loop has been handed over to a private corporation that is running things now and that's sort of a parallel to the change that took place at least in sweden uh, in actual history uh, the shift from the 80s to the 90s early 90s a lot of this privatization happened and and that brought a lot of change in in many ways it, it was the decade when the outside world really came to Sweden and, and a lot of companies were privatized. You went from having two TV channels that were basically government controlled to have a, a huge amount of, of commercial channels on TV. And, and that really changed uh, the world in many ways. And that sort of reflected in, in these two games as well in the Swedish setting. Of course, that change is not exactly the same in the in the US setting, but at least that's sort of the, the parallel between between actual history and, and, and these two games. Yeah, there's a bit of a, in the 90s, there was a bit of a decay from mm. the opulence that happened in the 80s yeah. with everything was so commercial and consumer in the US, but yeah. even, even in Europe, it was still, things were just looking up. It was going to be a bright 
new future and then the 90s kind of hit yeah. <laughs> and yeah. everything took and a that is definitely reflected. Into, so that, that i mean that that definitely and you had that with, with grunge music yeah. and and with like the end of pop for a while yeah. and everything went back to more rock and roll garage sounds yeah. and um and there was this, this like turn of of tone that yeah. really wouldn't i think pick up again for another 15 years yeah so definitely you have that 80s uh, feel that the sort of the 80s sort of pop very sort of colorful style of, of that sort of it's a big part yeah. of from the loop whereas you have in the in the 90s all the neon so, colors yeah and that those have kind of gone and now you have the sort of going into this more introspective the grunge era and so on that sort of that's that, that's a backdrop for for things uh, from the flood which works because the color uh, tone of um, of the artwork, uh, because uh, of course Tales in the Loop originally was this this really great um, uh, collection of art yeah. that uh, that that you then adapted into this game. Now that Simon, that Simon Stollenhog, yeah, his first artwork was beautiful, uh, and he went on and uh, I'm imagining he he the did things from the flood. The artwork also um, precede the game, or were these more made with a, an intention that might not have been there the first time around? Yeah, I mean, the first, uh, I mean, we, we originally, he sort of made this art and created a universe alongside it. And with the first thing, we actually published an art book first uh, of Tales from the Loop. First in Swedish and then also in English. Uh, and that was before the game. The art book came out. I think two years almost uh, before the game. So we sort of actually turned this because it's not just the art, it's also the art book also has text and it sort of, it's, it's a world. Little short stories. Yeah. So we sort of expanded that. Of course you have to do quite a bit of work to uh, uh, this art book that left leaves a lot of things unsaid, which you can do in, in a book like that, but you have to sort of flesh that out when you turn it into a game setting. But that's basically what we did. And the process was fairly similar for for uh, things from the flood because that's a second art book and that went into the 90s and that sort of as I, we use that as the backdrop for the second game as well. So that's really been going on in, in parallel. So the process was still relatively. I was wondering if Simon had uh, worked more with like an understanding of knowing where that end game was going to be. That that these the, this this next batch of 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 of, of collection would also be turned into this game world but it sounds like he just went off and did his own thing and then you, you followed up with it anyways which is great yeah i mean i think i mean we've been uh he's part of the freelings we're working with him but he's sort of uh the art for and the art book things the flood was actually also i have to get my dates in order but yeah it was released before the tale from the loop rpg was released so actually both of those art books existed when we designed the first and now the second game what would be uh the 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 thing for you as a player that you'd be most excited coming from tales from the loop and now entering into this new game or you know perhaps playing it for the first time um what's that one thing that really hooked you into things from the flood that may not have been apparent in things from, or tales from the 
<laughs> I keep mixing up things and tails. Uh, I know. It's, it's, it's a tongue twister. But, uh, the, like for me, Tales in the Loop was this great like like nostalgic trip and, 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 and bringing me back to mm-hmm. running around in the fields with my brothers growing up uh, in, in, in the late 80s. And, and now yeah. uh, uh, Things from the Flood comes around. And yes, it's a darker tone. And yes, your characters can die. And yes, it's set in the 90s. But what is that thing that you would say for things from the flood that might really hook in my players into getting them excited about this world. Um, uh, Cause it is a little harder to get someone excited about it's grim and dark. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. It's something that we talked about that, you know, that tales in the loop has a very immediate appeal that is sort of, uh, and also sort of quite timely in this era after stranger things and so on. It's sort of that kids on bikes, thing yeah. that that a lot of you have a a lot of people have a nostalgic connection to and it's a area easy to relate to moving into a bit of a darker era is not the appeal might not be as immediate but in many ways i think it, it can be even more sort of interesting to play because it you can uh sort of explore these darker themes and and you're not sort of you can move beyond that once you sort of you did the kids on bikes and you had that fix that you sort of you know i think you know we should still play tales from the loop i don't think things replaces it at all i think you should play both but if you sort of once you've sort of graduated in a sense you i think uh, uh, the next place to go i think it's a, it's a very interesting place to be is to go into things from the flood to sort of dig deeper in a way i certainly had uh, a few friends with tales in the loop that felt like they originally would play it and then they would hit a ceiling of this is as much as the mm-hmm. game can offer us because there are certain mm-hmm. things that you're asked as players and as game masters to just not put on the table and not just with death but mm-hmm. in terms of the way the tones work the way the the mysteries and and mundane life and you always have to kind of expect that at the end of the of the adventure things are just going to return back to the way they were and you go back home and no one's going to believe that any of it ever happened um and and there's a bit of a cycle to the stories and that you play that enough and eventually you hit a ceiling in the narrative where you want to go further, to do things that are going to yeah. have irreversible consequences that doesn't really happen yeah. by default in Tales in the Loop. And it sounds like that's what things from the flood, at least from my impressions of it, uh, uh, flipping through the uh, uh, th- through the material. That yeah, I think that's very, very true. I mean, uh, it, of course, in the sort of immediate sense, that world has changed. So that sort of just progresses the game from Tales from the Loop, but also in the mechanics of things from the flood, you get, I mean, just the thing you're mentioning there, the sort of the more permanent change. And and one example of that is in the game mechanics themselves. In this game, you get something called scars. So it's not necessarily physical scars, but it can be sort of mental scars that sort of change your character. And you can get them in traumatic, traumatic experiences, things that happen in the game to give you these scars. So you can actually use them when you play. So that that's really sort of taking this, this theme of, of, of permanent change and it brings it into the game mechanics themselves. So I would definitely agree with that, that difference. Yeah, that, that is, that is very exciting. Speaking of another game that you have about <laughs> a world that creates permanent change. Um, we received, uh, uh, about a few weeks ago now. So at the time of this interview, I'm hoping to release it immediately preceding our, our playthrough of Forbidden Lands. Uh, so Forbidden Lands 
is uh, it really, you, you told it to me about last time, but after seeing now the material, I'm holding the book in my hand, this, this love story to Dungeons and Dragons and <laughs> that classic role-playing experience uh, that you might have had in the in the 70s or the 80s, um, but with a very modern understanding of game design. And uh, how, how did Forbidden Lands come to be? Uh, because I look at this and there, it, it's so fully formed, this world that you've created, uh, the, 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 the backdrop for the game, but also the... Um, uh, like the 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 artwork in it is all this classic like ink sketching, and the character sheet looks like it's almost hand drawn. And uh, compared to Coriolis and Mutant Year Zero and Tales in the Loop and Things in the Flood, Forbidden Lands is um, it's not just the setting being nostalgic like in Tales in the Flood, but the the aesthetic of the game itself is it, it feels like this 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 callback to. Uh, uh, to to classic role playing games, why why Forbidden Lands? Yeah, I mean it really is our tribute to uh, classic you know old school fantasy game role playing that we have you know we did as kids and also as you know adults and it's sort of really uh, the way it was it's really is a tribute to that and and uh, and also I mean it's. Some of the artists, the main artist that you mentioned, the art there, that's actually a, one of the starting points of this game is that this guy uh, is, called, is called Nils Gullikson and he was the most famous RPG illustrator in the 80s. So this is actually in a, one of the starting points for this game was actually when we uh, we did an art book uh, with his work. You'd collected all of this old art from the RPGs in the 80s, the Swedish RPGs in the 80s, and we collected this into a big art book. And then we actually got the idea to build a game around this type of art. So now Forbidden Lands has be ha actually has mainly his art in it, some old pieces and some new pieces, and also another artist who sort of follows in that same style. But that sort of was one of the starting points. And then we really visually, and also from the production values, sort of and in, in terms of the book, the paper we chose for the book and the, the, the faux leather covers and all to get that old school feel into the from that we got from these illustra illustrations to get that into the entire game to sort of build the game the the graphic design of the game around this this visual feel and style from from the from the 80s uh, but then we didn't want to i mean that was like the one part and the other part is that is the game design that sort of is that is under the under the hood or under the surface that we wanted to bring in modern themes and, and mechanics that we have developed in uh, year zero i would say is the closest game mechanically to forbidden lands but we have sort of taken that to the next level as well and sort of with the travel rules and a lot of other things that we sort of brought in there but we think it's sort of that mix between the the old school feel and style and the more modern game mechanics is sort of where we want this game to to be and that's sort of what makes it separate and, and, and a different thing so i'm sensing a running theme here where once again it, the art predated the game and yeah, uh, yeah and the art's sense, so yeah. good they end up creating this game around it that's that's beautiful it was something that occurred to me i didn't mention it but then you said that even choosing the paper going back it tails in the loop also has this really great like 
cardstock yeah. feel to the paper in the book. Is that also like an intentional oh, yeah. choice uh, to of choosing the paper to match the era mm-hmm. and? Yeah, I mean, for Tales of the Loop, and I think Things from the Flood has the same paper, but, it, but, but when we did Tales from the Loop, that we, we, we thought a lot about these things as well, sort of, of course, the aesthetics of the game and the book should not override the game mechanics, but I think both are important, and you sort of have to make them work together and in the same, sort of pull in the same direction, and that's really what we have been trying to do with mm-hmm. All of our games. So this sort of uh, uncoated, sort of raw paper that we use for Test of the Loop, kind of fits with a the theme, and it's kind of a, a cream color paper that sort of get that kind of old school. Yeah. That's an old yellowed tone. Well, we had uh, we have on our bookshelf a first edition Dungeons and Dragons monster manual, mm. and. Uh, and right next to Tales in the Loop, they're the same paper. Mm, yeah. And 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 it was this feel like I've got a few friends who've got this these old collections. They were going through, and it was feeling like their old books that they yeah. got. Uh, uh, and and they were, and and it was something that everyone who knew uh, uh, what these books felt like remarked yeah. on as they were flipping through the pages. And I had a similar reaction when I bring Forbidden Lands out of its box, and and they're going, okay, all right, show me this new game that you've got. And then they, oh wow, and then they all want to just hold it and touch it yeah. and start flipping through the pages and looking at it and there's this like immediate connection to the book as soon as you see that that faux leather cover that you yeah. mentioned um yeah, i think that's really and, a, and, it, and it sucks you yeah, in yeah i mean and, and that's sort of this we had that same kind of discussion where we did forbidden lands that we have wanted to have that kind of raw uh, uncoated paper with a the black and white line art thing i mean a lot of games these days have beautiful concept art and full color and very glossy pages and that can be right for some games i'm not saying it's always wrong but for forbidden lands we wanted to go in a different direction and this kind of fits so well with the old school theme and the illustrations to have also in this sort of paper that we use yeah, it's 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 almost like it it's this acoustic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> almost. If you're ta- if you're thinking like of a musical theme, it's it's very yeah, unplugged yeah. and uh, uh, and 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 stripped back to um to to these to these yeah. core basics. Speaking now to my players, uh, uh, that because this is going to play right before that game, and and to people that are just considering Forbidden Lands now because it's still a, a very new game. Um, what should we be prepared for uh, going into that first? Because the very first time we play this, it sounds like we're not going to live for very long <laughs> before we put one of those tombstones down on a map yeah. and have to start over. Yeah. This is not, this is this is the most survival heavy game I have read in some time. Mm. Where. Um, uh, uh, I mean, it almost feels a little bit like like Dark Souls or, yeah. or something like that. With 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 that, uh, be very sure about the kind of combat you're going to be going into before you go in, because if you're not ready, it can go south very quickly. Um, what what words of advice or um, I don't know threatening omens you might share <laughs> with our players just before we're about to go into the Forbidden Lands here for the first time. Yeah, I mean it's definitely a game where, I mean, if Tales from the Loop is a game that where you cannot die, that's not this game. Forbidden Lands is on the other end of that that scale. I think it's very so that's something you should be ready for. It's it's not it's a sort of there's definitely room for amazing things, but it's a low fantasy game and it's quite harsh and gritty and you will 
it's it's a deadly game. Uh, there is just no no way around that, and that's that's part of the theme of this game. That it's it's life is in this in the Forbidden Lands is quite cheap, and you won't live forever. And that sort of for the victories that you do get, they you will cherish them all the more because they will be hard fought, and you will risk death at every turn, basically. And even experienced characters, you won't sort of level up and then be completely safe from low level monsters or anything there, you, you, even if you sort of level up and you, you can get better but you can still get killed by a you know a chance attack if you're unlucky uh, and you sort of have to get ready for that there's definitely sort of it doesn't mean that it's just up to chance it's definitely up to you to plan wisely and to fight wisely but but there is that risk of dying is always going to to be there this does feel like a game where, as players, I would recommend start taking notes at the table. Yeah. <laughs> Don't just rely. If you find a particular creature that you encounter, you learn their weakness. Yeah. Write that weakness down yeah. because this is this is not a game where you can just go toe-to-toe evenly all the time and you want to just... Because they're going to exploit your weaknesses as much as you should be exploiting theirs um, and, and, and learn how to run away. Yeah, exactly. I was going to get to mention that too, that it, this is a game where there is no... There is no uh, dishonor in 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 running away. You will have to flee at some, and that's that's just common sense. So don't feel you have to sort of fight to the death every time because probably yeah. you'll be on the losing end of that fight. Uh, any if number you of don't times. have the silver on you to fight this particular monster. Yeah then get out of there find the right weapon and then go back and maybe they'll still be there in in a few weeks that kind of works in the game as well in the sense that there is no linear path to follow and that's the other key thing in this game uh, is that you really it's i mean it's a map based game it has quite comprehensive but not i mean rules and guidelines for playing uh, exploration type game, a sandbox game where you go, you travel where you want to, you explore what you want. And that also means that if you run up to some monster that is just too badass for you to handle, uh, to handle there, there is always something else to explore. There's always another way to go. It's not you have to pass through this particular point. You can always choose your own path. And that's also very important. I've been speaking recently with some people who run um, very classic D&D games uh, at, at a place I've been running games for. And and they're also the mind of um, the best kinds of games are the ones where combat is the last resort, yeah. where you it is only one of the three pillars of role playing. It doesn't have to be your entire game. And, and this is, uh, I think Forbidden Lands is going to temper my players into thinking of other options yeah. <laughs> when, when they're going through a, when they're going through a ruin and i'm reading also the rules on building strongholds but also going like my, no one's going to survive long enough to get that far <laughs> you never know that's just not that's so great that you wrote that in but i just don't see how anyone could ever live long enough in these lands well, maybe, pull that maybe. Off, so yeah. <laughs> um uh, thomas thank you for joining me and 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 sharing uh uh, uh the stuff about things from the flood and and forbidden lands sure. which we're very excited to be playing soon um as i as i asked last time what is on the horizon for free league uh or are we just focusing right now on 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 these uh recent releases uh, yeah i mean for right now that our immediate focus is uh i mean forbidden lands is out we're working on an expansion for that so that's more news to follow on that uh in a while 
Uh, things from the flood is not yet out. We just received our first reference copies of the game actually to the to the office here, but we we have yet to send it out to the Kickstarter backers, and then after that it would be in in stores probably in May. So that that's still some way to go on on that, of course. But but uh, and then we had some uh, other interesting projects in the works as well that I'll have to get back to you on. It's a bit too early to. Spill. Oh, we'll speak in the summer then. Yeah, that sounds perfect. Yeah. Great. Uh, Thomas, thank you so much for joining me. And uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I, I will, we will be in touch yeah. about, uh, about these expansions and the release of Things in the Flood. Congratulations on, on the success on, on, on both of these games. I, I know that Things in the Flood hasn't been released yet, but it's, in my mind, it's, uh, uh, it, it's still a, a already a success story from, from the Kickstarter and from the things that I've been reading. And I can't wait to, uh, to see how that all plays out. Very cool. Thank you. Thanks again to Thomas Harumstam from Free League Games for joining us for a conversation. We hope to talk to you again soon. To find out more, be sure to follow them on Twitter at Freeligan. The link is in the show notes. Why don't you follow us on Twitter as well at Dice Warriors. If you haven't already, consider subscribing to the podcast and leaving a review either on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever the hell it is that you get this show from. And as I mentioned... This show would not be possible without the support of our listeners at patreon.com slash terriblewarriors. They gain access to special debrief episodes, private games that we run every month, and postcards sent to them in the mail. Next week, we venture into the Forbidden Lands. How will our adventurers fare? Well, come back to us next week to find out. Right here on the Terrible Warriors. Terrible Warriors.